بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيد الأولين والآخرين وعلى جميع إخوانه من النبيين والمرسلين وآل كل وصحب كل ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما يا رب العالمين All praise is due to Allah and may Allah raise the rank of Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him and protect his nation from that which he fears for them We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to increase our knowledge and benefit us with the knowledge we have acquired Ameen we ask Allah to grant us the sincere intentions in our words and actions. Inshallah, we'll continue talking about the sins of the body so one would be aware of them so he can avoid them. If one does not know what evil is, it's most likely he might fall into it. That's why knowing about evil is important so one can avoid it. Amongst the sins of the body is for the three-time divorced woman or a widow who is observing a post-marital waiting period we call it Idda without an excuse to leave her home and for the widow in addition to wear perfume decorate herself and the like there is something called Al-Ihdad which is an obligation upon the widow what is al-ihdad al-ihdad is to refrain from decoration and wearing perfume during the time of idda the idda for a widow either if she's pregnant we say until she gives birth or if she's not, then it will be four months and ten days. When we talk about four months and ten days, we are basically referring to lunar months, not the solar months, they call them. Because there is a slight difference between these months the maximum you can get of a lunar month is 30 days but the solar months you can get 31 days and the lunar year is less than the solar year by about 12 days so the lady whose husband passes away has to observe the idda what is al-idda 
العده is that she has to stay home for four months and ten days and she doesn't leave unless there is a necessity and she also has to observe what is called al-ihdad meaning she has to avoid decorating herself dressing up wearing any clothes of decoration and jewelry is a kind of decoration as well and to avoid wearing perfume as well during the time of idda if she's pregnant we said her idda lasts until she gives birth that's when her idda finishes however there is no specific color that she has to wear during the idda so black is not a condition she can wear white she can wear brown and she can wear black as long as it's not a kind of dress that is worn and is classified as decorated one because some dresses might be black but they wear them for occasions they decorated and the like that is something she cannot wear during the idda so she has to avoid this the idda four months and ten days has many benefits because you may ask about the wisdom why she has to stay four months and ten days first of all it's a time for her to reflect upon the matters of the hereafter during that period of time in a way she's secluded so she would uh, think about the matters of the hereafter about the grave about death so and she knows that death will come to her as well she starts thinking about all that and that will make her fear Allah Azza wa Jal and prepare herself well for the hereafter second it's an obedience of Allah Azza wa Jal because Allah ordered the widow to observe the idda for that period of time she has to obey Allah Azza wa Jal and in many cases the wisdom might not be known to the believer why this is an obligation and why this is a prohibition however that's the test from Allah Azza wa Jal to this slave to show how obedient this slave is to Allah Azza wa Jal to what extent he's gonna surrender to this religion of Islam without objection and obey what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered him because you know you are a creation of Allah Azza wa Jal Allah created you Allah knows about you more than what you know about yourself so if there is a prohibition you should know without questioning that this is not good for you because it's haram it's a prohibition even if you don't know the wisdom behind it if you know there is something that is an obligation upon you you know it's good for you because in our religion the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said la darar wala dirar la darar wala dirar 
You're not allowed to harm yourself or to harm others, cause harm to others. So in every matter in our religion, any order, any obligation, yeah, there is no harm. That's why in fasting, you know, fasting is healthy for, for normal people. It's healthy, it's good. Even some modern doctors now made studies about fasting in Germany and they deduced how beneficial it is for one's body for that whole month of Ramadan. However, some people might be sick, cannot tolerate fasting. Then we know Islamically they are not obligated to fast. If in fact, if they know that they get harmed if they fast, they are sinful if they fast. Some old people might not tolerate fasting, they might be sick, but they like fasting. Although trustworthy doctors might tell them, you cannot fast because it's harmful to you. But they insist. They think they are doing something good, when in fact they are disobeying Allah Azza wa Jal. So it's sinful in that case for such a person to fast. So you know from here that Islam is all-inclusive religion. To all these aspects, there is no religion in the world that discusses all these details in one's life like Islam. In Islam, you'll be taught even if you were to talk about eating, how do you eat? How do you start? If you are eating with others, what are the recommended matters that you should observe? And also, when, even when you eat, when you put the food in your mouth, where do you chew them? That's even specified to that extent about washing your hands and the like before and after all these matters are discussed in our religion if you were to have the shower purificated bath how to do it how to start all these are mentioned when you talk about inheritance every single one is known the amount he inherits And even if there are no inheritors, what happened? All these are discussed. There is no religion that has all these details as Islam. In some countries, even non-Muslims used to refer to, they call it the Islamic court in that country, to get from them like a statement how should we distribute the inheritance? Because it's not mentioned in their religion. Even in our religion, how do you deal with your mother? What are her rights? The father, the children, brothers, sisters, and the like. When you get married, what are the rights of your wife? Because many people who do not acquire the knowledge of the religion, they are ignorant, they mix between the rights of the wife and his mother, his wife and his mother. He doesn't know what are the rights of his wife and what are the rights of his mother. He might wrong his mother 
or he might wrong his wife. Sometimes the lady doesn't know the rights of her husband and the rights of her mother and father. So she mixes between them. That's when she starts having problems. Why? Because they did not acquire the knowledge of the religion. If every single one of us observes the obligations, the rights that Allah ordained upon us, no one would wrong another one. No one will feel unsafe or wronged by others. But unfortunately, because people now, they do not force themselves to follow the rules of the religion. Rather, they want to follow their bad inclinations. And they get used to be captives for themselves and controlled by their bad inclinations instead of taking the principles of our religion as the main directions for them. They try to follow their bad inclinations and they think that is bringing them happiness but that's on the short term on the long term it will turn on them against them that's why if you whenever you hear about something in our religion this is an obligation try not to miss it out if you learn about something that it is a prohibition try not to come near it no matter what by this you will be disciplining yourself in this way and you will be raised in ranks day after day then you find yourself at a very advanced stage that's why you find people who might be born from Muslim parents and they've been brought by their parents to mosques and they spend a lot of time in mosques, occasions and the like but they're far away from religion so it's not to be physically close in the mosque and the like you need to be practicing your religion in a way that you fulfill the obligations and you avoid the prohibitions that's why we teach about all these matters because one cannot tolerate one dip in hellfire one dip see all of these kinds of pleasure they are seeking in this life on a short term following their bad inclinations their desires those will vanish and one dip in hellfire one would forget all the pleasure he had in this life not even yani, to wait till the hereafter even in this life just think about the nice moments you spent in some occasions vacancies whatever you don't have him anymore some people might have had kinds of pleasure during their lifetime they end up in depression and anxiety they commit suicide and you've witnessed that how many actors and actresses 
committed suicide and they have millions and some of them billions yeah, but they are empty the life is empty it's like a drum might look big from outside but inside it's empty so those ones live such a life but see the believer even if he is poor even if he doesn't have that big amount of money when he comes to the mosque and he prays with khushua meaning having in his heart the fear of Allah when he prays that kind of enjoyment has no equal from all those pleasures such people have when you try to have khushua when you perform the acts of worship trust me this kind of enjoyment others are not having it with all the money they have so you are in a great endowment our shaykh rahimahullah once said if the rich people know about the poor people how peaceful they sleep yeah they would envy them in a way they don't know the rich people are very worried about money about the business about whatever whatever they're always anxious about all that but the poor people would go would eat something few alhamdulillah would go pray then he goes to sleep relaxed peace of mind but the other people usually wouldn't have that peace of mind they wouldn't so that's why you need to discipline yourself to do the obligations and to avoid the prohibitions so amongst the sins of the body is for the widow not to observe the idda and ihdad idda means she has to stay in her home for the duration of the idda for months and 10 days if she's not pregnant however if she's pregnant until she gives birth she cannot leave the house unless there is necessity if the house is about to collapse on her definitely she would leave if uh, for instance she needs to buy food there is no one to buy food for her she can leave the house buy food and come back only in matters of necessity then she would go back home so she would leave in these cases but for a lady to say yeah I'm gonna be by myself my husband passed away I'm going to my mom stay the idda at her house she can't have that choice she can't do that so she has to stay in her home for that period of time if she's worried maybe her brothers sisters parents whatever can check on her or take turns sleeping over and the like to make her feel comfortable but she cannot leave the house without necessity also the lady that is divorced three times cannot leave the house without a necessity as well because when she's divorced three times her husband cannot return her to his marriage until you know she finishes her idda from him then if she gets married to someone else 
and then she consummates the marriage. Then if she gets divorced from that second husband, then if she finishes the idda, the waiting period from that second one, if she chooses to go back to the first husband, she can, and this happened in the past. Yes, some might regret and they choose to go back to each other after a while. She can, but she has to observe all these conditions. But if she is divorced once or twice, Islamically, in some matters, she will be still dealt with as if she is still married. Because a lady that is divorced once or twice, her husband can return her to his marriage at any time during the Idda. And he doesn't need a new marriage contract. He can simply say to her, I now take you back to my marriage. And she will be his wife again. He doesn't need a marriage contract. He doesn't need to bring a sheikh and witnesses and the like. He doesn't need all that. By him telling her, I now return you to my marriage, she goes back to his marriage. So in a way, she's still his wife. In a way, she will be dealt with as if she's still his wife. She will deal with these matters as if she's still married. But that doesn't mean he can go to her and sleep with her without returning her to his marriage. He can't do that. So basically in these matters he will be isolated from her. But that's a time for reflection as well. They can both decide. And the idda is very beneficial. Very beneficial. And subhanAllah, for the divorced lady, three non-menstrual periods, that's the idda. And if she's pregnant, until she gives birth. That idda, it's a time of reflection. They might call it in English, cooling off period. So they might rethink about what they have done. Trust me, I had cases when we're trying to reconcile between two married people. They reach a stage and he might divorce her. And I would say to myself, they can never get back to each other. They will never do that. And the problems could be escalated to a certain stage where her brothers are involved, bashing, beating, whatever. So you would say, no way they can get back to each other after all what happened. After a couple of months, they regret both of them. They start thinking sometimes about children, they think about the life, and she might miss him, and he might miss her. Because if one is looking for perfection, let him search in himself first. Is he perfect? He wants his wife to be perfect. Are you perfect? She might be better than you. You do not evaluate your wife based on your criteria. No, the religion has a criteria and everyone is evaluated based upon it. So she might win over you. When ticking the checklist, she might be better than you. But many people, when they start having problems between couples, 
Yeah, we see this very obvious. He's expecting his wife to be perfect, but he's not perfect. He doesn't want to change. Or she expects him to be perfect and she doesn't want to change. How it's going to work that way? That's why we need to discipline ourselves to abide by the rules of the religion. Not to follow our desires. And if you know you, have, you are short-tempered, yeah, that means you are sick. You need an intensive care. That means you are sick. You need to take some medicine to control your temper because that's not a good thing. This is why one of the companions came to the Prophet asking for an advice. And the Prophet said, do not get angry. He said, O Messenger of Allah, advise me. He said, do not get angry. He said, O Messenger of Allah, advise me. He said, do not get angry. Three times. Why? Because anger makes you unbalanced. Anger makes you unbalanced. Not being able to take proper decision when you become angry. Many people who at a time of anger did things they regretted later on. A person might kill his brother at this time, then he regrets. And this happened. That's why when you learn about these matters of the religion, these are not just information like taking a lesson of history or geography. No, it's for you to practice, to implement them. So whenever you learn about something, yeah, put forth effort to implement them. That's why the Sahaba, in such short period of time, 23 years, they stayed with the Prophet from the time he received the revelation at the age of 40 till he passed away at 63, 23 years. In 23 years, they made a big change. Some of them from idol worshippers to highest level of righteousness. People such as Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali became the best awliya, not only in this nation, but amongst the human beings. In such short period of time, 23 years. Let us talk about ourselves. Yeah, those who are above the age, let us say, where we are up to now, compared to those ones. That's why we have to work on ourselves to improve ourselves. Also amongst the sins of the body is to stain the mask with najas filth, such as urine or blood or other types of najas filth substance. Not only that, it's haram to make it dirty with a pure tahir material, however, it's disgusting, such as spit and mucus. The Prophet وسلم, said, Spitting in the mosque is a sin. In the past, they didn't have carpet. It was soil. It was soil. And uh, some might spit in the mosque. Yeah, that's haram. So although the spit, the saliva is not najis, but it's revolting substance. And people go inside and pray. So that's why it's haram. 
Rather, we should glorify the mosques as Allah Ta'ala said, ذَلِكَ وَمَنْ يُعَظِّمْ شَعَائِرَ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّهَا مِنْ تَقْوَى الْقُلُوبِ That's from the piety of the hearts, to glorify whatever is glorified in our religion. And mosques are from the glorified places. And the best places on earth are mosques, as the Prophet said. The best places on earth are the mosques. It's enough a merit for the person who is regular in attending the prayers, the mosque, his heart is attached to the mosque that the Prophet said about such a person that he will be in the shade of the Arsh. When there is no shade on the Day of Judgment except for the shade of the Arsh. On the Day of Judgment this earth will be destroyed. It will be replaced with flat, white, plain earth with no mountains, no valleys, no trees, no roads and the like, nothing. It's flat and it's white. And the sun that is miles away from us now will be one mile away from us. One mile. And people will experience, those who are exposed to it, will experience a big hardship. The sinners, the sweat will take from their bodies based on what? On their sins. As the Prophet said, some of them, the, the sweat will take from their bodies up to their ankles, up to their shins, up to their knees, up to their waist, up to their shoulders, and some of them up to their mouth. And the non-believers will drown in their own sweat. At that time when there are people exposed to the heat of the sun, some will be in the shade of the Arsh. So they won't be affected by the heat of the sun. The prophets will be there, the righteous will be there. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned seven categories of people will be in the shade of the Arsh in one hadith. That's in one hadith. And also in other hadith, he mentioned other people as well, other categories. One of those categories is the one whose heart is attached to the mosque. Just imagine when the Prophet ﷺ told us that the one who leaves his house heading to the mosque and says the dua, اللهم إني أسألك بحق السائلين عليك وبحق ممشايا هذا فإني لم أخرج أشرا ولا بطرا ولا رياء ولا سمعة خرجت اتقاء سخطك وابتغاء مرضاتك أسألك أن تنقذني من النار وأن تغفر لي ذنبي See how short it is? So while you are waiting on the red light, you can say it. It's short. 
So if you come into the mosque and you say this dua, what did the Prophet sallallahu said? Allah will grant him acceptance. And 70,000 angels will ask Allah to forgive such a person. 70,000. Imagine now, and all the angels are what? Are awliya. They're all righteous. They're all awliya. All the angels are awliya. Now if you hear of a wali, a righteous person amongst the human beings, what do you do? You go to him and you say, make dua for me. If he makes dua for you, may Allah forgive you. You, that, you make your day. You make your day and you are so happy. He made dua for me. Imagine 70,000 wali making dua for you. 70,000 angels supplicates Allah to forgive you. That's just when you say this dua. So see if you are at home and it's the time for the prayer. You think about it. It doesn't take much. Maybe now half an hour to go pray and come back. And imagine what do you get in half an hour. In half an hour. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened for us gates of goodness. All what we need to do is to implement. Also amongst the sins of the body is to delay performing hajj until death while able to perform it when alive. According to Imam Shafi'i radiallahu anhu, you can defer performing hajj for one, two, three years and the like. So let us say, for instance, one has a firm intention to perform hajj and he's saving money but he's studying at the same time. And he said, when I finish uni, inshallah, I'll go to perform hajj. So he finished, then he performed hajj. So he delayed a couple of years. He's not sinful, according to Imam Shafi'i radiallahu anhu. Some scholars said, no, in the year he becomes able, he has to go on that same year. But according to Imam Shafi'i, he can defer. He has his lifetime so it's extended but if he keeps on deferring 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 and he was able until he dies he is sinful then he becomes sinful for deferring all that period of time also amongst the sins of the body is to take a loan with the inability to pay it back without the lender being informed, either by you or by someone else. If the lender knows about your situation, he knows you are struggling now, he heard about your situation, and you are in need of borrowing some money, so he comes to you and he says, I'll lend you the money. So he lends you the money, and he knows you might not be able to pay it back, but he knows about your situation, then you are allowed to take the money from him. But if you know yourself, you're bankrupt as they say. You have no money, you have no source of income at all. You cannot pay him off. And you go and you lend a big amount of money from someone while knowing you are unable to pay him back and he is unaware of it. He doesn't know about your situation in any way. He thought, you are able to pay it back, then in that case, uh, that's sinful. Also to refuse 
to grant more time for the one who is unable to pay one's debt. Now someone was expecting himself to be able to pay it back on time. However, he struggled, he had some issues, things didn't go well as he expected, so he can't pay on time. He as a lender must give him time till he becomes able to pay back. He cannot abuse him, harass him whenever he sees him and chases him wherever he goes. Even like he chases him to the mosque in Friday prayer to harass him in front of others. He is not allowed to do this. He needs to give him time. The Prophet said, من أنظر معسرا أو أسقط عنه الدين كان في ظل العرش. If you give him time to pay the debt back, or you forgive him, or you forgive him, then what happens? You will be in the shade of the arsh. That's another virtue for such a person. Once uh, two companions were arguing in the mosque. One of them is Ka'b ibn Malik. He lent money, big money, to someone else. And he was asking him because he kept on deferring, deferring. So he met him at the mosque. So he was arguing with him, give me my money back. And that one was talking, they were arguing. And the Prophet wasallam, his house is adjacent to the mosque. By just removing the curtain, he can see them. So he removed the curtain, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and even without talking, look at the obedience of the companions. He looked at Kaab, and he gave him a gesture by his hand, meaning drop it to half, forgive him with half of the debt. He just gave him sign, he didn't even say a word. So he gave him that gesture by his hand, meaning drop half of the debt. Quickly that person, Ka'b ibn Malik said, قَدْ فَعَلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ And it's done. And he forgave him with half of them. Now even imagine now two people have a dispute about money and they come to us now. And we want to solve and we tell them, yeah, you owe him $300 for instance. Okay, maybe you can forgive him, not even with one dollar, he would say. He has 300, maybe Allah will facilitate for you, maybe he's struggling. Not even with one dollar. So 2.99, he doesn't accept it. Point 0.99, he doesn't accept it. SubhanAllah, people are attached to money, most of them these days. Also amongst the Sins of the body it is to spend money in disobedience, and that's a major sin. And listen to this. Some people might look at the matter as being a small sin. See, we have minor sins and major sins. Minor sins and major sins. Even if there is something that is classified a minor sin, spending money in it is a major sin. Also amongst the sins of the body is to belittle the book of the Qur'an that's the Mus'haf and every Islamic knowledge. 
Now, belittlement here is blasphemous. To belittle the Quran, such as to mock it, to step on it. In our country, subhanAllah, when they used to print some Islamic books or mushafs, in some printing shops they used to pile them up, and in order to reach high shelves, they used to step on them. This is a blasphemous action. That's called belittlement. That's called belittlement. So to belittle the Quran is blasphemous. To belittle the Islamic, any book with Islamic knowledge in it is blasphemous, belittlement. However, there is something called lack of proper glorification. That's different from belittlement. So belittlement, mockery, degrading, that's blasphemous. But lack of proper glorification, meaning you are ordered in Islam to glorify in all these matters. However, you might be negligent in one of them, but not belittling, not degrading. Then it's sinful, it's not blasphemous. Such as, such as to carry the Mus'haf without having wudu. So, the proper glorification is that you don't touch it if you don't have wudu. So you need to have wudu, you don't carry it or touch it without having wudu. If you do so, you are not belittling the mushaf. Let us say you are cleaning the table and you carry the mushaf, put it somewhere else, but without having wudu. That's called lack of proper glorification. It's haram, but it's not blasphemous. If for a child, like you have wudu, you want to recite Quran, but your son, your daughter, even if they have reached the age of mental discrimination, which is around seven lunar years, if they don't have wudu, you cannot tell them, go and get me the mushaf from the shelf, I need to read in it. Because you are using him, allowing him to touch it without having wudu, for what purpose? For yourself to recite Quran, you are not allowed to do this. However, if the child is studying Quran, learning, and you know, as a child, it would be difficult for him to keep his wudu for a long time. So that's, that's an exemption. You are allowed to allow the child that has reached the age of mental discrimination to carry the mushaf and read in it, uh, to carry it, uh, because he's reading in it for the purpose of learning, even if he doesn't have wudu. That's for his sake. But not for your sake, you tell him, bring me the mushaf, you don't do that. Also, amongst the sins of the body is to change property line markers. Yeah, to unjustly change the borderline between your land and the adjacent land of your neighbor. Let us say, for instance, you know your neighbor traveled overseas, uh, or he told you, I'm going for one year overseas. He comes back and he sees the fence has moved. So you took off the fence and you took from his land even 
what is equivalent to one span, hand span. That's a major sin because that's taken money of others unjustly. The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith that the one who takes what is equivalent to one hand span of the land of others, that land that he took, so although it might be a small portion, on the day of judgment, in one of the stages of the day of judgment, that piece of land will be around his neck like a collar. Because the day of judgment is the day of horror. Overwhelming events will occur on that day. So that's at one stage this will happen. As the Prophet ﷺ mentioned also in other hadith that the one who is arrogant, arrogant, on the day for judgment, at some stage, he will be in the size of small red ants, in that size, and people will step on him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punishes him with something relative to his sin. So he used to see himself above people, he will be under their feet on the day for judgment. This is a kind of punishment for such a person. Also amongst the sins of the body is to use the street for that which is unlawful. Here when we say the street, we talk about two types. Now, maybe in English when you hear the word street, road, you know, it's what they call it, thoroughfare. Thoroughfare meaning it's open. Like you have main road, main road, and there is a street in between, or road. So you have access to other streets and roads and the like. They call this street in English. There is something that they call a no-through road, dead-end road. That's different. This one that has dead-end or no-through road, Islamically, it has different rules than the street that is thoroughfare we're talking about here. Now that one, if one were to do something in that street that is no through road, it's to ask permission for all those who would be affected by it. That's in that case. But let us say someone is living on a main road, on the Hume Highway, main road. Then suddenly he wanted to expand his house. And he built extension to the road. So people cannot now drive their cars there. He can't do that. So even that's a main road. But what he did, he would make obstacles for the passers. That's why he is not allowed to. So even see, in Islam, all these matters are discussed. If one were to do even canopy, you know the canopy, like for his house, there are rules for it as well. How high it should be and the like, and that depends on the kind of road. Uh, wood camels and horses would be passing by through that place. So he needs to take into consideration the size of the camels, horses, and the luggage on top. So he cannot just make it, you know, short. 
and the, then the person and the camel would crawl under he can't do that so all these are observed in our religion that's the beauty of our religion that's all when you learn more you become more attached to this beautiful religion and you intend to practice more i want to practice everything i'm learning but if you are not attending religious classes you're attending concerts watching TV and the like, going to these places all what you're gonna see, you're gonna see people with piercing in their faces all around, tattoos, whatever hairstyle that is uh, very different and you start thinking of copying them although at the beginning you might say no that's so ugly but yeah the devil it will convince you one day to do the same. So that's why your role models are the prophets and righteous people. So you as men, you would think of the great men in our Islamic history, try to copy them. And you as ladies, you think of the great ladies of this nation and you try to copy them. And trust me, this can come to us at any time. No one can guarantee to live one more day. One more day. So you might start having plans. Uh, yeah, I want to go uni. I want to study such and such. When I finish, yeah, I'm going to apply for this company. Then when I finish, I want to move this. Yeah, my plan is to work overseas uh, for 10 years and come back. They have plans. But this could be way closer than what they think. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to grant us the ability to fulfill all the obligations and avoid all the prohibitions. Ameen. And Allah knows best. We say La ilaha illallah and make salah on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam.